Welcome to the best podcast available, Training Camp Edition. Here are your hosts, Jason Gibbs, Andrew Gribble, and Nick Shook. And we welcome you into the Dog Bowl in Berea, day number seven. Day seven, right? Day, day seven. Seven? Seven. 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 Yeah. I don't even know what day it is. That's how good this has been. Uh, it's one of those things. You just keep grinding. And it's week two of Browns training camp here in Berea. I'm Jason Gibbs. He's Andrew Gribble. Almost forgot. He's Nick Shook. I almost pointed and said that. That's really how this is going today. And we are recapping a busy, busy Thursday here in Berea. Obviously, some a, a lot of news coming down over the last three days. And just wanted to get your guys' quick takes on the Otto Graham statue. Clay Matthews going into the ring of honor. And today, the announcement of the retirement of Phil Dawson uh, that will take place formally tomorrow when he signs his one-day contract with the Browns. It's uh, good, good, good in all regard. I think it long-awaited for uh, the first two. I think that uh, once the Jim Brown statue went up a couple years ago, everyone was like, okay, who's next? And I think that there was a few candidates out there. I saw some people speculating maybe it's going to be Paul Brown. But I think Otto Graham makes a lot of sense with it being the NFL 100 year. He has a very good shot of making the NFL's all 100 team, like which I mean, 10 years, 10, 10 appearances in championship games. You really think of Cleveland Browns football, you think of Otto Graham. That's great. Clay Matthews the next day, I think it's if there was a player you wanted to break tradition with and put in the ring of honor that has not made the Hall of Fame, he is the perfect candidate. Longtime Brown, played here forever, and then continued playing after he left here. Uh, has a legitimate case for the Hall of Fame. Uh, a lot of people believe he should be already in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and I think that this kind of maybe we'll get some momentum going in during voting season. He's never had problems getting the votes at this part of the season. It's when it gets down to about November and December is where uh, we're trying to push him over the edge. And then the, today's news of Phil Dawson. I think everyone on Twitter is setting a record for making the same joke uh, about how they need him in the kicking competition today. <laughs> but clearly uh, he's he, he's found the right time to to hang it up and. 20 seasons, most of them in Cleveland. Uh, so it's only fitting. I mean, you, you I, it was one of those things you hoped for. Once he left here, you'd hope that this day when he decided to retire that this would come, that he would do it as a Brown because uh, that's the only way you can really remember him. I think we spanned multiple generations with these announcements this week. You know, Otto Graham and really the inception of the Cleveland Browns in the glory days, what was then known as the greatest show in football. Uh, the the Paul Brown Browns of those days, and then uh, you know you move to the glories the glory days of the eighties with with Clay Matthews and who was you know uh, uh, I think uh, an an installation you know he was he was there year after year in the linebacking core of these defenses some of which were some pretty talented defenses and does have a legitimate case for the Hall of Fame as Andrew said and then you kind of get the I think the most current generation are the ones who grew up um, through some of the struggles of this franchise with Phil Dawson, who for many years was this team's only pro bowler and was this team's best player. And he was one of the best kickers of his era. And uh, it's great to see him finally come back and retire in the uh, brown and orange. Is it safe to say since 99, maybe the three best Browns prior to last season were Joe Thomas, Phil Dawson, and Josh Cripps? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, two of them were special teams. Yeah, I mean, there was it, it was if you want if you want to make the argument like best careers, clearly those are the three that have had the best careers as Cleveland Browns. Exactly. I think we obviously we can debate who had the best season 
uh, here there who was the most yeah. talented who came through Berea. But those three easily, the three Brett best careers that have happened since 1999, all three of those guys. I always kind of wonder what might have been the Charles Bentley's career had he not suffered that you know, 100%. Miserably, miserably bad knee injury that ended his career because I think he could have been in that group. But, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Those are the best three, and Phil's one of them. And it's an exciting you know, time for him to be able to come back and, and retire. Well, a lot of great things happening out here in Berea this week. And, of course, training camp continuing. And, you know, the guys getting after it today, really hitting it hard. Uh, spirited practice right from the beginning. There was no lull in the early going today. And I thought a pretty good day for the offense when, uh, when all things were said and done. But there were a couple defensive players that were sitting out today as well. Yeah, I thought the offense looked good even in, in just like one-on-ones today. It just felt like they were on the same page. A lot of receivers making plays. Jarvis's catch today uh, making the rounds on, on every form of social media. I mean, he, he, they look great, and I thought we saw a lot of Odell today. And I, I was happy to see. I don't want to see a ton of fades thrown his way, but when it when it works, it looks, you asked it for looks it fantastic. I asked you for big, big, big catches, but it's like the fades is like not not the thing he's best at, but he sure looked good doing it today. Sure. Like, and he it, clearly those two were used a lot in the, with the first team offense today, and going up against a defense that's a little banged up right now. Uh, it, it makes sense why the offense why maybe and again this goes back to it always feels like a better practice when the offense is doing things. So today felt pretty good. It kind of points to you know the way this game is has tilted and the way the rules have skewed uh, offense friendly. You know it always feels better when the offense is putting up points, not when a defense is stopping an offense, especially when it's a team that you're supporting. But you know, looking at Odell and Jarvis and Baker all on the field at the same time, and there was that you know that fade you were talking about that he scored a touchdown on, where Baker basically stopped, looked over to the two of them lined up. You know, Odell in the slot, Jarvis out wide and made a little hand motion that probably indicated a hot route or a couple of hot routes, and they executed flawlessly. Odell wins it off the line, you know, runs the fade to the back pylon. Jarvis runs a slant underneath, a little bit of a natural rub, not as much as you would expect, and the ball perfectly placed by Baker. It looked like they'd done that 150 times on whatever field they practiced on in Los Angeles over the summer. I mean, it, it was executed to perfection, and it just gets you excited because you think, man, if they could do this kind of thing on game day, just imagine what the possibilities are. And that's just a tiny little sneak preview of what might be in our future. It really is amazing when 13 goes out onto the football field yep. and how special he is and the things he does even after practice. Watching him on the jugs machine, if you put him out at the 50-yard line and just let him do the jugs machine in front of the fan base, it would be insanity at its finest. It would sell out. I, the things he does and just the level of play that he brings to the table when he walks onto the football field is just something that Nathan Zagur and I were talking about it today. I, I haven't seen that in such a long time here, even in 07, you know, with guys like Braylon and, you know, one-year wonders, basically. No one came close to having the talent that this guy has when he walks onto the football field. It's, ton, it's, like, it's a mix of talent flair panache like just total ease in his situation and even when he's not like and that's why it's like I'm encouraged even more that he's not just tearing up this training camp because I saw a lot of plays they were Denzel Ward's like guarding him great I mean that he's he's just does it with such flair that you would imagine he could get open on every play but I think 
Denzel's doing a good job on him, but when he does get open, it just looks so easy. Like he just makes everything around him look so easy. There was a play today where Baker had to avoid uh, the rush and stepped up and scrambled to his left and and ripped one. And I was gonna say, "Wow, what a throw!" But then you realized it was slightly behind. And it still was a great throw. And Odell just jumped up and plucked it out of the air like it was nothing. And that's a difficult catch for 98 to 99% of receivers on this planet. And he just jumped up and grabbed it like it was nothing. And I went from going, wow, what a throw, to wow, he's just unbelievable. Watching him make catches that are not routine, look routine, is it's never any less impressive. Uh, you mentioned on the defensive end, Gribbs, the, the injury bug a little bit. Sheldon Richardson sat out today with an abdomen issue. Chad Thomas... Uh, a little bit of the flu, one would surmise. Olivier Vernon with a hamstring. Jannard uh, Avery still out. Yeah, Jannard Avery still out. Should we be getting concerned with some of these injuries? Not to mention the offensive guys, Duke and Kareem still not practicing. Set the valve, and now Demetrius Harrison concussion. You're down to like two tight ends on this football team. Uh, should we be getting concerned, guys, with the fact that we're starting to see all these and we're one week out from preseason game number one? I'm not. It, it, I don't. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm concerned about winning the game, but I, I'm not concerned about that at all. Like, I don't. It doesn't matter if you win that preseason game. But Amen. I, I think it, it's it's a good mix that what Freddie has, though. I think because a lot of these injuries, I think, are considered minor. It seems like it's like what you have on the one end of the spectrum with J.C. Treader hurts his ankle in practice, gets rolled up on. He expects him to grind through it. He wants a physical camp, but at the same time, I think Freddie also has a good understanding of being precaution precautious when necessary with guys and if guys have something that they can make worse those guys are on the sidelines because you look at a lot of these injuries even an abdomen that's something you can make worse uh by going out there all these hamstrings guys like that he's quick to be cautious with some of these guys that you're going to need in a month or so that and i think what's more important is the month or so or the two months from now not this preseason game not next week's preseason you know the preseason game weeks two three and four and that might not be you know the best thing that a marketing department would want to hear but (laughs) I'm just telling you right now that I would much rather have these guys healthy and prepared to play in the regular season than these preseason games there's no reason to rush these guys in the field if you got to be careful with with these injuries that they're having and that they're sustaining absolutely take as much time as you need and this is also the product of a physical camp. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna bang and 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 crack pads and everything else, and just go back and forth with these physical practices, you're gonna have these issues. But ultimately, if the goal is to make a more you know a tougher team, a team that can deal with adversity and persevere through things like that, then that's what you're gonna achieve. And these this is just uh, some some collateral damage that you'll be able to overcome. Other big takeaways from the day, Nick. Let's start with you. Uh, well, I mean, it was a great day for the offense, but you could definitely notice when, when guys like Sheldon and Olivier are, are not out there. I mean, they just the defense did not get as much of a pass rush as we've seen in, in days prior, and uh, the offense benefited from that. I think it was kind of a little bit of a cause and effect, but also the second or third, you know, second straight day in which the offense has really started to put it together. And they're, they're moving the ball, not necessarily on every possession, but they're scoring, they're, they're succeeding when they're inside the red zone. They're doing everything you really want to see. And, uh, you know, especially when you have your top playmakers on the field, it's great to see them in sync. So it was a very encouraging day, I think, from that standpoint. I'll say it's been a good couple of days for Antonio Callaway. Yeah. Uh, he's had a few, he just, he's still on the second team, but, and then he's, now he's continuing. He's stacking. He's getting, he's getting open like he should be against the second team. And I think he's making plays. I think he's responded to maybe a slow start. And I think it was indicated today from Todd Monk, and he showed up a little maybe out of shape coming into training camp. But I think he's working himself back in. It's like the old school football when all those guys used to come in out of shape and, <laughs> you know, 
after a summer of smoking cigarettes yeah. or anything like that. Drinking coffee drinking, every day. Yeah, it's like that. It, it, maybe he's a little old school in that regard, but he looks fine to me now, and I think he's finally, like, when he was on the second team and not doing stuff, that's when I was worried. But then now that he's on the second team still and going up against guys that, that can't cover him, he's doing a great job. Yeah, Antonio Calgary definitely didn't spend his offseason selling insurance or, uh, you know, you know, drinking, uh, you know, some light beers or whatever, doing ads for Chesterfields. But, yeah, I think the, the the last thing that really stood out to me was Ishmael Hyman had a great finish to this practice. And, and it might have not seemed like that much, but in the final period and a half, we had him catch two passes that racked up nearly 50 yards in one possession. I mean, he carried the offense in that possession, the second-team offense, and then scored on a hard slant, you know, later in the period for a touchdown. And to punctuate it, spike the football in the end zone, you know, in celebration. It's basically how they ended practice. It was, it was a, it, it was a great finish for him. And, and this is a guy who's very much in the conversation for one of those last receiver spots. So, you know, you're always encouraged to see somebody like that succeed, especially when they don't get as many reps because the top receivers are on the field. So, good finish for him. Another wide receiver, not to make this all about wide receivers, but a guy that I know has caught your eye, Derek Willies, continues to impress. Yeah, he's, he's he's solid. I think that's what Freddie wants. He wants the consistency. That's and this, he, it's it, it. He doesn't look like a guy. He looks like someone who played a full first season, and I think that's key. And he really didn't. He only played a few games. Yeah. And he looks, but he looks much more seasoned. Like like he belongs out there. Has the body for it clearly. Uh, and I, he just has to keep keep doing this. He remember he remember the one play he made last preseason that basically got him on this team when he chased down a guy on an interception, made a tackle. He's just got to keep doing hustle plays like that because this is a guy where his focus still as many plays as he's making as a wide receiver. It's got to be what he's doing on special teams. All right, that's what happened on day seven out here in Berea. Time now for our interview of the day. Our good friend Nick Shook had a chance to sit down with the special teams coordinator of your Cleveland Browns, uh, Mike Prefer. Obviously uh, a man of many talents and with quite a history, and he is tasked with improving a very average special teams unit over the past couple of years. One would say maybe even a little bit below average and trying to figure out who our kicker is going to be. Your big takeaway from the interview. Yeah, it was a lackluster unit in the past for sure. Uh, This is a guy who lives, uh, breathes, eats, and sleeps special teams. He's got the time to kick, time to hold, all that stuff, uh, hang time for punts, which you would hear in his press conference and also what we discussed just off the top of his head, the exact marks for all this stuff. I mean, the technicalities of what many people think is as simple as just kicking a ball and running down and covering uh, come out in this interview, and he explains, you know, how to to build a special teams with the best 11 players you can find and everything else and and really takes you inside the special teams room for the Browns, and I think Browns fans will be very uh, pleased with what they hear because their special teams units appear to be in very good hands with Mike Prefer. Yeah, no question about it. We're big fans of Mike Prefer. He sat down with Nick Shook. Have a listen. We talked a little bit about this, I think, in the spring, about how you were looking for the best 11 guys on the special teams unit. What do you look for in your roster when you're trying to fill those positions? So we kind of take a look at whenever we do our rankings, okay, we rank each guy by position. So we'll put the top safety special teams wise, top linebackers, top defensive ends, running backs, tight ends, fullbacks, wide receivers, et cetera. And then from there, we'll build the top 20 or 25 guys that, you know, we'll, we'll give that list to Freddie and to John and say, okay, here's who we think are going to help us win. Um, I've been at places where you might, you, you want to get a top 25, you might have 18 guys that, and, and half those guys may not even make it at this time of year. You're kind of like making that list. Um, so we're looking for guys um, 
And we talk about our four pillars all the time. We talk about toughness, we talk about effort, we talk about discipline, and we talk about enthusiasm and passion. And really, if you don't start on offense or defense, if you don't love the game of football, it's going to be, you're going to be hard-pressed to help us. So I know I've said a lot of different things right there, but it's important to me that each position, you know, they compete against each other, and then they compete against the other guys at different positions when we're looking at roster cutdown. Okay, so I, a couple guys that have come to mind, at least in watching practice so far, have been both a guy who's here last year in Derek Willies mm-hmm. and also a rookie in Sheldrick Red, Redwine. Mm-hmm. They both look like they've have the potential to contribute on special teams. Is oh, that absolutely. the type of guy you're looking for? Absolutely. You know, the, when you look at a wide receiver, special teams-wise, you look at a guy like Derek Willies. Now, he's not a returner. Some returners are going to be smaller. But Derek is big. He's strong. He can run. He's tough. He's physical. Uh, that's the type of guy you're looking for at the wide receiver spot. Same type of thing at, at the safety spot, to be honest with you. Like a wide receiver... I'm looking at him as a safety, special teams-wise, my mentality. And then Sheldrick fits the bill as well. Sheldrick is smart. He's, a, he's running our second punt team right now. He understands all the calls and the situations. He asks good questions. You know, he's still a work in progress, but he's come a long way since the spring. And, you know, he's a, I'm really glad we drafted that young man. What about the progression of some of the other guys that you've added to these units? Well, you got the, you know, the two rookie linebackers. We have five rookie linebackers that are all fighting for the job. And I've told them all, I said, I don't care if you're drafted. I don't care if you're undrafted. Um, the drafted guys might get the opportunities a little bit earlier, but at the end of the day, they're all going to get opportunities to make this football team. So uh, the linebackers have been doing a good job. The corners have been doing a good job. Receivers, uh, there's not as many of them, but I think they're working hard and, and doing some good things. And, um, you know, running back's going to help us. Dontrell Hilliard's done a nice job, and it was his second year, correct? Yeah, Dontrell has uh, really emerged as a guy that could be a four-core phase starter on special teams if he's not running the ball. You and I kind of talked about this the other day, um, getting some of these guys acclimated to maybe playing special teams with a certain technique that they never got time to really learn in college. Correct. Um, how many guys have really benefited from that in your time here? Well, I think I'm, I'm hoping everybody that, that once you get the reps at it, you know, we started talking technique back in phase two, jogging through stuff in here against coaches that were covering kick, you know, you know, you know jogging down for 10 yards, the phase two rules. Um, but I think all the guys have really bought in if, and pretty much all. I haven't. I don't know if there's any malcontents in that locker room. I think we got a great locker room. John, John and Elliot, the personal guys, have built a great locker room. Freddie's allowed me to freedom use all those guys. And I think that's huge when you have the support of the head coach and the general manager and the personnel department. Um, you know, I think they've done a nice job of, of buying into our techniques. We're trying to keep the scheme simple right now. We're in preseason right now. We're not really game planning from everybody. We just want to do what we do best, and that's play sound, disciplined, tough football and play penalty free football speaking of freddie um he gives you you know i think some prime practice time oh, you know man. right in the middle of it not you're not tacked on at the end you're not something that they get out of the way at the beginning have you been able to have you been afforded the luxury of that before and other stops or is this something not, new to you not really um this has been probably the most time and the most uh the best time of practice that i've had and i've been very fortunate to have the coaches other coaches i've worked for give me time and support and they've done a great job but this is i think the way to do it right after individual and then period 10 before this, you know, the last two or three offensive defense periods because at the end of practice it's hard, and that's what I'm used to, and those guys are they're gas and they're not getting a lot out of it. So the tempo's been better. The guys are able to work their technique a little bit more effectively because they're not as tired. And um, so at the end of the day, I think we're improving a little bit quicker than we would have at another place. That's good because this is a team that definitely could need it based on how they performed last year. All right, let's get the elephant out of the room. Uh, let's talk about the kicking situation right now and where these guys stand in your opinion. Well, I think coming out of the spring, they were even, the kickers. Um, they both had good days and bad days, more good than bad, both of them. Um, we haven't started out, Austin has not started out as strong as he did as he finished the spring, 
and um, I think Greg's done a nice job so far. So, but it's August 1st, to be honest with you, with you, Nick, and I really don't think we should even start ranking them. I haven't even ranked them yet. I think the, pre the Saturday night scrimmage, then I'll rank them after that, and then obviously we'll, we'll rank them again after the first preseason game and go from there. So Saturday will be fun. Each guy's going to get five kicks, and they're going to be pressed situations. We're going to uh, have some two-minute drills that if the offense gets us into field position, to, if they score a touchdown, we'll kick the PAT. If not, we'll kick a field goal. So there will be, will be some competitive situations there that we need to do better than we did earlier in camp the last couple of days where we didn't perform as well in the team periods. But I think both guys are they're, uh, they're competing. They're both very talented. I'm excited about the, the competition. When you're analyzing their kicks, do you put a little bit more value in those pressure situations as opposed to when they get those four kicks earlier in practice? Um, I, I, I treat them all the same, but I think in terms of getting ready for a game, I think it's the game situations. It's the one kick at a time thing that will ultimately put us, uh, you know, we'll put more uh, weight on those kicks. Freddie talked about yesterday he wants these guys to take it really one kick at a time, and right now they might be taking it one day at a time. Do you think that they're getting closer to what he wants? I think so. I think so. And, again, Saturday night will be key. You know, if we can if we can get to the point where if uh, get to the point where we're making those pressure kicks in the two-minute situation and in the game type of situations, then obviously that will make you know, Freddie very happy and make our football team better. All right, so we have one last question. Sure. You are somebody with local ties here. Can you yep. explain to the fans how much this job means to you? Um, my daughter Katie and I, who's interning here, as you know, with the Browns this summer, she and I were talking the other day, and she said, Dad, did you ever think <laughs> that you'd be coaching for the Cleveland Browns? I'm like, uh, no. It never, it never, that thought never entered my mind. I never had a – there was never any, any thought that I ever thought I would be here. I thought I would be here, sorry. Um, but the fact that I'm here, the fact that I grew up watching this team, cheering for this team, um, understanding the passion of these fans, uh, it's pretty special for me. So, you know, what we can do here, I think we can accomplish great things, but it's going to take a lot of work, and we got to take it one day at a time and, and see where we're at. But there's no better fans in the NFL than the Cleveland Browns fans. I would agree with that, and I think they would too. Thank you very much, Coach. All right, Nick, thank that. you, bud. Appreciate it. All right, we appreciate Coach spending a few minutes uh, with us, and as we get into our sound bites, uh, we kick things off. The three coordinators did talk to the media today as well. Uh, Mike Prefer, more from him, on if he's focused more on the kicker's mental state or mechanics during pressure kicks at this time. Mentally, they're both pretty mentally tough. And um, although they are young, I think they've done a pretty good job after a miss is coming back and making the next one for the most part since the spring. And we've been trying to put him in this situation since the spring. So I think the more pressure type situation we put him in, we've got to see if they can handle it. Because like I've told all our guys, there are kickers and punters and linebackers and safeties on other teams in this league that are going to be available after the 53 cut when I mean, everybody cuts down to 53. So it's just because they win and beat the other guy out doesn't mean they have the job. And that, that may sound negative, but it's not. It's the truth. And I try to tell them the truth. Um, but I think I know we have the right two kickers in camp. One of them's going to win the job. And I know we have the right two punters in camp. One of them's going to win the job. And we're going to go hopefully go win a bunch of games with those guys. I thought it was very, very interesting. Uh, when you take a look and take a listen at what he had to say, uh, one of them, one of the kickers is going to win the job, but no one's guaranteed anything. <laughs> right? We've we've seen that a few times here before. Wasn't it one year where I'm trying to remember the year where the Browns got down to 53 and didn't have a kicker as one of the 53? Yeah, went out and had to sign one. Yeah, yeah. And went out and signed one. I mean that that was that, that the happens. Signed Cundiff? I believe so. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. Yeah, so I think that's a that that that's a reality. Is it a pleasant thought? No, you don't want to get to that point. No, um, but you've done it. We saw it a few years ago. You did it at punter. You traded Andy Lee, 
brought in a couple guys at the end of the preseason, didn't want either of them, and then got Britton Colquitt after he got cut. So, I mean, I think there's this happens in special teams. But then he came back in that answer and said he believes the two right guys are yeah. here. Uh, we just need to see both of them be better. I, I think particularly Austin Seibert. I think Joseph has at least been okay. And All there right. is a bit of a track record from last year. Yeah, like, I mean, he proved he can make field goals. Yeah, Actually, it, it was the extra points that were a little. Well, people pointed times. out to the guy we talked about at the top of the show, Phil Dawson, wasn't the best his first year in the NFL, but then he got better. So I, mean, I think it's one of those where uh, clearly you, you've got the guy who's kicked in NFL games, kicked in some real pressure situations too, some good results, some bad results, but still there's more experience there as well. And I'll say this about Greg Joseph, and this is nothing against Austin Seibert because we just haven't gotten the opportunity to know him as well as we would know Greg since he was here last year. Uh, he's going to work at it. I mean, he's definitely someone who's very focused on his craft, and he's got the right guy leading him in, Mike Prefer, and, and who also talked today about how they changed his approach, and and how you know uh, he's worked on becoming a more consistent kicker through all of his fundamentals. And I think uh, he'll continue to, to put the work in, and and maybe we have a kicker on this roster. It sounds like you know, according according to Mike Prefer, that one of these two guys is going to win the job. Same with punter. Someone's going to win. We're going to have a kicker. We're going to have a punter. And we're going to have a long snapper when we take on the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Uh, balls will be snapped. Passes will be thrown. Points may or may not be scored. That's the truth of football. <laughs> exactly. All right. Next up, uh, a cut that, Gribbs, I know you had brought to our attention from Todd Monken, the offensive coordinator. Uh, he got grilled on a number of different things today. And one of the better answers uh, was on Baker Mayfield. You know, you're going to have a preconceived notion like a lot of players. Like, just like when I was in Tampa with Jameis, you can have a preconceived notion from the outside of what you think someone is. And rarely is that really who they are. And so, you know, at the core, from a competitive nature standpoint, I've said this many times, he is what I thought he was. And I didn't have probably any other other than he likes to have fun. He loves to play football. But don't confuse that with, you know, that he just clowns around because he doesn't. It's important to him. It's important in the meetings. He asks great questions. He wants to be on the same page. He wants to be elite. And that's when you're that way. I mean, you're, you're all these guys are elite players, but he's at the top of that group. They have a good relationship. Clearly, the people that, thought, that were worried that are still asking questions today – about a story, national story, four months ago about whether or not Monken and Freddie are getting along and their offenses are merging and everything's all hunky-dory. I don't think we have to worry about that. No. From all indications. Yeah, and, and, and in regards to Baker, I like the line he had about he had pre – he always – he acknowledges the human nature of you go into a situation and you have preconceived notions. He had preconceived notions about Jameis Winston before he went there. He came in here with preconceived notions about Baker Mayfield, and he addressed that most of the time those end up not being true. And I think the the thing he's brought up before, and I think it's something we've seen a lot from Baker this year, is that he's out there having a blast, having fun. He's got a mustache. He's joking around. <laughs> but he's all business and serious and serious enough to scream at his wide receivers in the middle of a practice in front of thousands of fans. I mean, it, it's, and that's the thing that I think keeps standing out to, to Todd Munkin is that this guy really wants it, wants to be great. The key line he said there, he wants to be elite. Uh, so I think that truly he's, he's pleased to be around a guy like Baker Mayfield. And I think at the end of that interview, what was really interesting is that he talked about it being a guy who's been in the league. He, he's calculated with where he goes. He goes where he knows he has a good situation. He went to Tampa 
after having a good college career because he knew he was loaded with offensive players at that place. They didn't have it all together on defense, but he's coming into a situation here where he knows he's got good players uh, and a good head coach that he knows he can work with well. He's a sought-after mind, and, and, and yes. you know, like you said, he picks and chooses where he can go because you know he's a guy who is in demand. And, and I think that Baker is equipped with two guys who are going to see that he has every opportunity to become the best quarterback he can be. In Munkin and also in in Freddie Kitchens and you know these are he's already got a relationship with Freddie he's building one with Todd right now and, and before long hopefully they'll all be working in lockstep and and going about this offensive approach the right way and, and putting up tons of points I mean that's that's really the goal there and um, I I'm pleased with the progress that we've seen from them so far number three of three from the coordinators today defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes basically asked. Why just two linebackers? And how does the fifth person in that defensive secondary work when it comes to your defensive alignment? And a little, I guess, behind the scenes as to how this defense will look and play here in 2019. I think number one, what we have to understand, first of all, is where the game is nowadays. You know, they put more speed on the field. So you want to make sure that you're able to match that speed. So in uh, looking at that, that's the reason why we go with that look. A safety, as we consider to be a slash linebacker that can play in the, in the box and stop the run, but also athletic enough right there to be able to play in space. And that's how teams try to get you, uh, by trying to get a linebacker out in space. And he's got a lot of options. That fifth guy in the secondary is going to be your third linebacker, or he's going to be your fifth defensive back or he's going to be an extra safety if you if you decide to go that route it's going to be someone very very versatile and that's what we've seen so far through seven days of camp you know I think this we've talked a lot about this and I think we'll continue to talk about it because this is probably going to be a look that you're going to see a lot this whole three safety look you know the having a third guy on the field who can play the role of of a slot corner or, or whatever else a box safety um, whatever term you want to use to describe a, a roving defensive back who is also large enough to play in a more traditional linebacker role, I think is going to do wonders for your defense. Pretty much everywhere it's been employed in the last few years, if they have the proper personnel for it, it's found success. Even guys like Derwin James last year with the Chargers, he kind of manned one of those roles early on and was it, it, you become kind of an X factor. There are some other terms for it. Sometimes they call them like a, a jack or a star. A star defender is another one. Um, and, and I think that they have the guys here to do that. I think that's why we've seen a lot of Jermaine Whitehead, and he also, uh, Steve also named some other players during that bite who could potentially fill those roles. And and I think it's the perfect fit uh, based on the personnel that you have and, and the amount of safeties that you've assembled. And I think we'll also see one of the more rare instances in which this team might end up keeping more than just four safeties in the roster. And I think it it's going to bode well for their performance. I think we're going to end up in this camp by basically declaring about 16 defensive players starters i think that's how what it's sure. going to end up being maybe maybe 15 15 because just because you're going to include your three safeties as starters you're going to probably line up call three linebackers starters yeah. and then there's a variety of different other guys who are going to work you might throw your your slot corner and there's a starter so it, you're going to have about like a 15 man a unit you're going to consider starters and then it's just going to be kind of moving pieces 
all throughout the season. There was a question um, that I thought illustrated this very well, which was uh, directed towards Steve Wilkes, was, do you have packages for down and distance? And he said, no, but I have packages for personnel groupings. And I think that's the future of football is all about matchups. You know, you don't want to get a linebacker caught against a super athletic tight end who's just going to beat him in a race down the field. So you see who they're putting out there, and then you send out your personnel grouping to match it. And I think they're getting enough practice right now with the versatility that they have on the back end, taking out a linebacker, putting in somebody else who is uh, more athletic, and can do a different number of things. Uh, with all of that, you know, uh, uh, accounted for, I think that they'll end up being a better defense and, and, and one that can really react to the variety of offenses that we're going to see. Because guess what? One of the most adventurous offenses in the NFL comes to town very early in the season in the form of the Los Angeles Rams, and they better be prepared for it. No question about it. All right, day eight. It is the final practice before the scrimmage on Saturday. What can we expect to see? Do we do we go hard on Friday in preparation for Saturday, or do we lighten up here a little bit, do you think? I would expect more of the same, and I'm more intrigued on the possibility of Phil Dawson having a front-row seat for this kicking competition. Okay. That'll, be, that'll be interesting. Especially on Saturday. Step it up in front, in front of the, the GOAT. That, that would make right. That would make for some good video, for sure. <laughs> um, traditionally, I would think you would slow it down a little bit, but I don't think that they're going to stop at all. I think they're going to maintain course – um, on a day-by-day practice schedule because they've got stuff that they've got to improve and they've got stuff that they got to put in and get better at. Well, and I think this is your last week to do that. Yeah. Because after the scrimmage on Saturday, you're off Sunday, you'll practice Monday and Tuesday, but it's a game week. Yeah. Wednesday's your walkthrough, Thursday's your game. And Freddie said today, he's, he's, he, all he knows is a football coach is having a physical camp but he doesn't know any other way. So and I, and I could see it also being like, hey, we practiced this morning and – we have more than 24 you, you have got about maybe 30 hours between practices as opposed to 24 so i could see them going just as physical as they have these last couple of days and you know what i think as long as you stay healthy it's not a big problem because i think you need to continue they're, they're starting to really get on a roll you yeah. know there was some concern going into the off day and the day after the off day that eh, i don't know if, if things are going are getting so hot but they're really starting to get into a rhythm here and i think that they'd be best suited to keep it going all right well Wherever you download your podcasts, do so today. If you've missed any of our first seven podcasts, we've had some great guests, great breakdowns daily on each training camp session, and we will continue to do so for the next three weeks. You can log on to clevelandbrowns.com or, again, wherever you get your podcasts. And tomorrow we will be back at it again, practice number eight. For Andrew Gribble, for Nick Shook, I'm Jason Gibbs. This has been the best podcast available.